eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. What's going on, everybody? This is the Clap Your Hands podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports, brought to you by Sports Radio 94 WIP, but mostly brought to you by Kyle Newbeck, the Sixers beat reporter <laughs> on the beat all the time. What's up, man? How's your uh, how's your all star break going? I'm hanging in, man. I've been trying to do some like what I would call life maintenance over the last, uh, you know, three, four days, just trying to do some stuff that I probably won't do between now and end of the regular season or really end of the season in general. So really ever, it sounds like based off. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, stuff that gets forgotten about or you slack on. It's like, all right, I got to clean the house a little bit. I got to get some laundry done. I got to see if my car has, oil in it and you know oh, dude. Gonna... i'm n- n- there's nothing in the world i'm worse at than taking care of my car like maintenance cleaning it like so me and um me and kristen have like two cars and she drives a nice one and i drive the shitty one and like whenever we're in that car like when we're like about to go in it she, uh, like in my head i'm like there's so many water bottles in that car there's so many like chip wrappers <laughs> like things and i can just feel it before she goes in i'm like i know this is where this is gonna go so that is probably one thing I should be doing with uh, with the Eagles season over too. But it is always funny. I don't know if you feel this right now with the Sixers on hiatus. Like you look forward to breaks in the schedule, but then once you don't really have anything to do, you definitely miss it. Like I miss the Eagles. I miss the Sixers not playing. So as much as uh, in my head, I was like, oh, nice. Next week will be pretty chill and relaxed. You do miss it when it's gone. I mean, I would say this. If I didn't have to work and I could still, you know, live my life, I think I'd be okay. Like as much <laughs> as I love sports and that's not a, I'd like, I love my job at Philly voice and, and what have you. But you know, if the option is between working and not working, yeah, I wow. I think that's a, uh, that's, that's an, an easy, easy one. Choice. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Before we get into it, I do want to say one thing off the top. Cause I feel like I always say this at the end, but you are listening. We appreciate all the listeners. The, the audience is growing, which is awesome to see. But if you could leave a review, that would be very helpful. It helps the podcast grow. Leave that five-star review with a question, a comment, anything. I want to like get some more feedback from the listeners. So leave your name, You know, just anything. It'd be awesome to start getting those five-star reviews. 
uh, piling up, especially with the Sixers season about to enter really the most critical stretch that we've been talking about for a while. But before we get into the actual team, because I do want to talk about that, there's some James Harden rumors. There's the Kevin Love situation, which I briefly was like very, very excited. And then it seemed to get squelched very quickly. But um, the All-Star game, let's just get into it. So it's funny. I, I feel like this is this is how it goes with All-Star games all the time. For 364 days of the year, people are like, the All-Star game doesn't matter. It's such a waste of time, blah, blah, blah. And then they play the All-Star game and people are like, how can these players not take it seriously? Nobody's trying. Like, da, da, da. So my favorite thing ever is when everybody is watching something on TV at the same time on Twitter and everyone's being like, why are we all watching this? You see it with Thursday Night Football. You see it with like all types of sporting events. And you saw it with the All-Star game. Like, what do people expect? It's the All-Star game. Like, It's just supposed to be a fun time. Well, dude, here's my thing. And you, Thursday Night Football is honestly like a really great comparison. I see people on Twitter every single week during football season bitching about how bad Thursday Night Football yeah. is. Do you know how many Thursday Night Football games I watched that the Eagles did not play in? Zero. Because <laughs> I know the product sucks ass. The only reason that I watched the NBA All-Star game is because I need to for my job. I got to make sure that Joel Embiid is not, you know, doing a, a backflip dunk off a motorcycle right. or getting hurt or whatever it is. But I will also say this. That is the single worst All-Star game I've ever seen in my life. Like, normally, I, I think people are getting a little too far down. The, they're blaming, like, rings culture and, you know, load management and all these things, talking about the All-Star game, about how nobody cares about anything anymore. No one wants to compete in today's NBA and blah, blah, blah. Like, going way too far down that road. But I would say in most years, most All-Star games, you at least get one quarter of guys trying, right? Yeah. And like the whole idea behind going to the Elam ending where they just add 25 points to the the scores at the the third quarter buzzer and say that's the final score instead of playing a 12-minute fourth quarter is that you're supposed to get a little more drama. It's supposed to bring you know, a little intensity into the fourth quarter. That fourth quarter was an absolute crime against basketball. And it was preceded by three quarters that were even worse than that. So, you know, I people were, have been yelling about, well, how do you fix it? And what do you do? It's like the players have to fucking care. Like, that's the number one thing. Shea Gilgis Alexander was openly saying after the game, it's like, well, I think you need to give guys more money. It's like, dude, <laughs> if you can't just go out there and compete just for competition's sake, like don't even bother having the game. And so I, I, I think like the, the big thing to me, I know this is an all-star game. Like I'm not expecting guys to have playoff level intensity or even like good regular season game intensity. But Dame Lillard hits a shot to beat LeBron's team. And LeBron is the first guy you see on video doing the, like, pointing to his wrist saying Dame time. Yeah. It's like, bro, you just fucking lost. Like, what are you <laughs> doing? Like, I, that kind of stuff is just ridiculous to me. I understand, yeah. like, good sportsmanship, all that. These guys are all friends. I'm not expecting them to be, you know, clotheslining people like Kurt Rambis or whatever. But come on, man. I will say, as somebody that hates defense and somebody that loves the All-Star game, even for me, there were stretches where it looked like literally nobody was trying at all. It just looked like 
almost like the dunk contest in the way that players are just running around and doing whatever they wanted. Like it, there was no, but, but like that just kind of is what it is. But I, I know in my head, when I think about the all-star game, I remember back in the day, like the Iverson all-star game with like Stefan Marbury, Vince Carter, like all those guys. And it just felt in my head. And maybe it's because I was younger, like they tried harder and that it was more competitive. Now, why do you think that was, was? in my opinion, I feel like where they've messed up with this is they just need to go back to East versus West. Like I, I think the whole draft team, LeBron team, Giannis, it just cheapens it even more as fun as the draft is. And we can get into that too, with what, with what Jokic did, but as fun as the draft is seeing team LeBron and team Giannis, it just makes it even more of a mockery than what it was. I'm not saying the player is going to have a ton of pride in East versus West, but I think you'll see a little bit more of it. I would put them back in their regular jerseys, like all those things. I just, I think that the league itself has gone too far in trying to spice up the game, but I feel like by doing that, they've themselves themselves admitted how pointless it is. I think back again, this is old man Elliot, like back in the day when I used to watch it, it just felt like players tried harder. And I think that's because they were on East versus West. They were, had, they had their own Jersey on. It just felt more like authentic. Now it does just feel more like a sideshow thing. The NBA has made up. So I kind of can't blame the players. And then also like, you know, I think you have a good spin on it, which is you understand they're not going to try, but you want to see more. I just hate the people that are like, well, why even play the game then? Because it's supposed to be fun. You're just supposed to go see your favorite players play. And even if they're not going to give 100%, like it's just a fun event. But I think they've cheapened it up with everything they've done. Well, I don't think that was a fun event. I don't because I don't think anybody came away from that. I agree. Satisfying. I think that didn't go. I agree. That was that. I think that game was it was not a hit. Yeah, if that is the version of the game you're going to get, you shouldn't play it. I think that is an extreme example uh, of how All-Star plays out. But I would say this. I don't know that East versus West is the fix in the way you would hope it would be. I, I understand your line of thinking. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with it. Mm. it you, know, you hope that it jolts it or whatever. But I, I think so much of the league now is tied up in you know, like personal brand building and individual brand building. And like these guys spend all of all-star weekend going to events for their sneaker company, or, you know, if they're sponsored by a liquor brand yeah, or whatever, like they go yeah. to all these things all throughout the weekend, like the bronze and investor in a tequila that they have an event, the like things like that. And there are just so many things throughout the weekend. And then the game leading into it, our producer, James actually, pointed this out there's like a concert before yep. the game the draft takes like 45 minutes by the time halftime is over or by the time you know pregame is over whatever warm-ups these guys went through are null and void so anybody that's over 25 years old is like all right man i gotta stretch again <laughs> i gotta go through this whole pro especially guys over 30 and then you're talking about guys like lebron in their late 30s like that guy after a 30 minute break or whatever it is, is not going out there. And yeah. That's why he left with the hand injury or whatever it was. Yeah. So that, that part is a problem. I, the reason that it bothers me a little bit is that it, and again, I think all-star games don't matter. I don't, I don't really give a shit about well, them. We'll get into that in a for, second with Joel, but yeah. for work purposes, I think the problem is that it ties into this idea that just nothing matters until the playoffs. And mm -hmm that's really shitty for the product. Like I, I've never been one of these NBA people who's under the illusion that they'll ever surpass the NFL. It's just not, it's not a realistic thing. 
Yeah. But the reason that people care about the NFL is that on some level, every single game is relevant. And so this long season that has a lot of load management now, guys missing time with an eye toward the playoffs, you know, sitting out. And then you get to the all-star game, which is supposed to be a mid-season showcase of all your best talent. And that's another, oh, who cares? It's just the all-star. No one has to compete. We don't want anyone to get hurt nothing else matters and it's just like okay when is something going to matter you're asking people to tune in from mid-october until you know mid-april yeah. when the playoffs start and you might get 10 to 15 games that we sit there and are like i'm fired up for this one because not only is it a good game but everyone's also playing mm-hmm. and so for that to be the case that's just that's a terrible terrible thing for basketball and for the nba and I just think that this this hurts them not in the not that the All Star Game matters. It's that it ties in with that perception that the NBA does not matter for you know the six well, seven months before they get to the playoffs. And I don't disagree with that, but I think sometimes that argument turns into, and you saw it this week, like Adam Silver basically saying, you know, these guys are you know ath- like athletes that have a lot going on with their body like when they don't play it's not always just load management blah 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 and then you have anthony edwards come out and actually like rip the players and you have adam silver like defending them which was an interesting like juxtaposition but i think sometimes what's lost in this too and we can get into the joel thing now or, or you know tie it in but this idea that like the fans have a lot to do with that too like I am part of the rings culture, to be honest. Like, I do think winning is how I ultimately judge players. But to your point. Of course it is. That's the point yeah, of sports. I, like I this agree, idea. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you, man. Like, that, but, but like, but, but to what you were saying, like, I do think that we as media and fans and all that create the perception that none of this matters until the playoffs. And so to get back to what I was saying about the all-star game, when the players here all year, the all-star game is stupid. It doesn't matter. Like, he shouldn't even be playing, blah, blah, blah. And then when they go on, don't try, like, what do you expect? Like it, it just like the public narrative around this, I think could also be shaped better if people want better results. Like if like media members, fans, if you guys want them to play harder, then talk about how much it matters. Talk about like rip players that don't try hard, like a week into the game, lead into why it's important. Like I agree the players and management and coaches and like the owners and all that, they shape a lot of what happens with load management and agents and all that stuff. But ultimately the rings culture and like the public pressure really comes from us and it comes from the players and the fans. So I just think it's hypocritical, like, uh, you know, of people all year to be like, it doesn't matter. And then when they don't try hard, of course not. Like with the Joel thing, people are like, he shouldn't have played in the all-star game. Why? Why? Like we, we can't say, we can't rip players for not trying hard and then also be like, well, you shouldn't even have played, right? Like it doesn't add up. I understand the pushback on him playing at all. I mean, ultimately, he understands his body much better than we do. So, I, I mean, I can't tell you how he felt or what the best course of action is. Maybe he sat down with the doctor prior to the game, and the doctor was like, well, you're, nobody's going to try. So it doesn't really <laughs> Just go matter. jog out there. I mean, it's he, had like, 30, yeah. he had 32 points. It wasn't like, you know, like he didn't pull a Giannis and just bounce after one minute. Yeah, I mean – he didn't have to do much trying to even score that 32 points. Right. Or, and I, Mike Malone made the comment saying that Joel and Kyrie were the guys that were in the huddle trying to get guys to defend, which I thought was hilarious because I don't think Joel played <laughs> more than 10 seconds of defense the entire game. Um, but look, I, I think to that point, it's part of the battle. I feel like I have been fighting as a, a media member all year. I've been saying to you that, 
I think people are way too down on the Sixers that yeah. the approach from a lot of the fan base. Now, some of this is because the Eagles were so good, but the approach from the fan base is that, well, wake me up when they do something in the playoffs. And look, I understand that. I, I think if you look at the track records of Joel, James and Doc, all of them have their various issues that we can say. Yep. Skepticism is fair. If they need to prove it in the playoffs, they have to beat a team like Boston, like Milwaukee. I would have said Brooklyn prior to all the trades, but yeah, they're no a higher caliber team in the playoffs. I think that's absolutely fair. But if you are telling me while I'm saying, hey, this team is really good, that <laughs> who cares? Do it in the playoffs. It's like, all right, yeah. man. Well, then you're going to get the product that you deserve. That's like what the, I'm saying. The product yeah. that you have earned. And I'm like, I'm again, I'm not blaming the fans because I, I, I understand winners write history. The winning is what matters in sports. We can talk about stats and all star and all NBA and all that. At the end of the day, the objective of the game is to win. And so I get why people are obsessed with the playoffs and championships in particular. But you can't sit here and yell at me and say, well, I don't care what Joel's doing. I don't care what James and Doc and all these guys are doing. And then throw a hissy fit because the all-star game is bad. Like right. you can't have it both ways. Well, and that's my thing with Joel where people are like, well, he shouldn't have played. And uh, like, all right. So Joe Gillio on WIP, who's my guy. I love Joe Gillio. He would, yeah. he was ripping him yesterday, basically saying like his priorities are out of whack. He shouldn't play in the game. Like all those things. Right. But I'm just, I'm like, we, with like, at what point can we as fans just admit that we want things to matter? It was the same thing with the Jalen Hurts MVP thing and the same thing with like when Joel didn't win it. Now people have cared about that actually, but didn't win MVP. Like if, if we're going to say nothing matters until the playoffs, like then it's it's up to us to almost like take control again and be like, I want to see Joel playing the all-star game. One of my favorite memories growing up was watching Iverson in those all-star games, win all-star MVP saying like, where's my coach? Like all that, like those are one of my, I would say my five favorite Sixers memories growing up is him winning that all-star game. And so when it comes to Joel playing the all-star game, now what sucks is because of everything we just talked about, it's never going to have that same like luster. Like Jason Tatum dropped 55 points and won the all-star MVP. If Iverson would have done that back in the day, I would have like had a poster of it on my wall. Right. But, but it just doesn't matter. It doesn't carry the same luster, but what's going to make it matter again is people being excited about the fact that Joel went into an all-star game as a sixer. He started, which we all wanted. Right. And then he scored 32 points. Like that should be a really cool moment for fans. And that should be something that we all really value. And so in the way that like, I understand at this point of Joel's career, all that really matters is getting out the second round. It is what it is. Like that's kind of all that matters in his career. But ultimately, it should matter to us that he was an all-star in that game. And he was unbelievable, like, as far as you want to say unbelievable because no one was trying. But he, he scored 32 points. It wasn't like he had 12 points. And I think that, like, for me, I'm willing to have Joel go out there, represent the Sixers, be in, be in the one of the biggest showcases the league has and play well. Because he's, if he's going to get hurt, he's going to get hurt. Like, it is, I'm over the, like, managing of Joel's minutes. If he's going to get hurt, he's going to get hurt. And so I like the fact that he was out there representing the franchise and like giving fans a chance to see him in that stage. Cause some of my favorite memories were watching Iverson do the same thing growing up. Well, put it this way. If he walks into practice tomorrow and they tell us he's going to miss a week or two, it is going to go over like, but he was probably going to miss a week or two. Anyway. I, I like, I don't think playing in the all-star game impacted that. Do you like, if I mean, he does, he's playing, he's, he's playing, he's <laughs> quite literally playing basketball right. and this, 
the it has happened before. I don't remember what year it was that he played in the All Star game. And I remember this. Yeah, he had a knee really on. afterward. That that's the thing. As long as he comes back and plays, I don't I don't give a shit. It's I I can't I can't tell you what his body feels like or what level of pain he's dealing with day to day. So I I don't look at the MRIs and see and walk into that doctor's office and say this is how I feel and this is what's going wrong for me. Right. So if he feels he's okay, that's fine. I, I just don't want to see the, he's out for a week and a half to, to rest after that. Like that's, he said right before the break, he, 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 did. Was, he said the doctor told him he he two himself. weeks off and it's like, yeah. all right, man, well then it's the all-star game. Who cares? Well, Take all right, let seat. me ask you this. You've been around Joel more than me. Right. And, Trying to think of if this analogy works or not. But so I have a brother that's 21 years old, right? And growing up, like he would play soccer and he played baseball, but soccer was his main sport. But like he was somebody that when I watched him, and obviously I love him with all my heart, but when I watched him, like if he was hurt, I could tell there were moments where I'm like, all right, he's in his own head now. He's exaggerating how hurt he is. Like that's just how I've always felt about him. And sometimes I see parts of that in Joel where you watch Joel play and he falls and it's like, oh my God, it looks like he's never going to play again. And then two minutes later, he's like playing like he's the best player in the league, right? So as someone that's around Joel, do you think that he exaggerates, not exaggerates, that's not the right word because I don't want to accuse him of exaggerating, but he comes out and he says in that press conference, like I probably shouldn't play for two weeks. And then he just plays in the all-star game. Like at what point do you think we should take a little bit of a grain of salt with what Joel says and, and how it should have been years ago, honestly. That's, that's my question. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he says he shouldn't play for two weeks, but then he does play in the All Star game. So, I wonder is he exaggerating? Has maybe a bit of a negative connotation, but is he just someone that, look, I'm a dramatic guy. Like, it, do you think he's just dramatic with it? Of or? course, he's dramatic, but <laughs> look, that doesn't mean we have to outright dismiss what he says or how True. he carries himself. I, I think there is rightful panic when that guy hits the floor and he's making faces and what have you, because it's honestly often hard to tell the difference between when Joel is seriously hurt and when he's just had a fall that he yeah. bumped something the wrong way and he like hit his funny bone or whatever it is. So you watch him go back to that bench with a, a limp or walk back to the locker room. That's going to create the same feeling and people all the time, whether it's a, a real injury or a, I won't call it a fake injury, but a, a less serious yeah, like, situation. Just, I'm just he, numb to it. I'm numb to it at this point. I think like I've done the five years of worrying about Joel being hurt. I've done five years of worrying about when he shouldn't, shouldn't play at this point. I think he'll, he'll just play when he can. And you just hope that he's healthy when it matters. I like, I think the constant roller coaster of like, should he, should he not? We've been through this. We've seen that it really doesn't matter in terms of how we feel about it. Cause he's just either going to be healthy or he's not. Yeah, I mean, I I would say I mostly agree with that. I'm just a little different from you in that I'm still going to wait and see on every fall that he has because yeah. this team is cooked if he gets seriously hurt. That, that's they're the they're cooked. Line. I mean, Harden's playing better than he was, which doesn't matter. They're yeah, not I, mean, no, I agree. I agree, but they're way better off than they would have before. So the last All Star thing before we get into some other stuff, unless you have any other All Star takes you want to fire out there. Oh, no, I else? definitely do not. You definitely do not. I mean, what do you think of Jokic's move? Where he like? Uh, oh, I mean, I believe him that he thought he was the last guy up there. That, that was the story after the game. I don't know about that. Seemed like a punk move to me. All right, Matt. Matt. Matt excuse me. Um, Mac McGlung, or however you pronounce his name. Whoever this Mac guy McGlung, is. Yeah. Matt. What'd you think? 
What'd you think of the the dunk contest? What'd you think of the fact that he's now a sixer that's won a dunk no, contest? I, it's like the fifteenth time people have said the dunk contest is back, and then next year we'll have the it same group of people who nobody cares to watch until afterward, and the highlights are in. Like, oh man, that was great. I, I I'll give him credit for this. I think the most important thing in any dunk contest, you got to make it on the first attempt. Nobody I wants agree. to see you make it on the second attempt, the third attempt. When Nate Robinson stole the dunk contest from Andre Iguodala, the like 25th attempt on mm-hmm. whatever dunk that was. Making it on the first attempt is really important. And I think actually Shaquille O'Neal said that to, to Mac prior to the dunk contest. There was a clip of him talking to him. And all credit to him. You know, he had some nice dunks, but most importantly, he made all of them on the first try. And so that really just, that sets the crowd off. That was Zach Levine's big strength when he was in the uh, mm-hmm. the dunk contest. And people were rightfully declaring the dunk contest is back because him and Aaron Gordon had a, a real showdown. Um, but look, man, it's, you can only get so worked up about guys like Mac McClung and Jericho Sims and KJ Martin and Trey Murphy competing in the dunk contest. And I think it's criminal that we're never going to see John Morant or Anthony Edwards or some of these young up and coming powerful dunkers compete in this event. Why do you think they don't do it? Again, dude, like we can say incentive and rings culture and all this shit. You have to want to compete. Like that's yeah. the, all these guys are afraid to be embarrassed and lose. It's really like it's a a total. And there's some I shouldn't say it's a Gen Z thing because it is a lot of people around my age or near my age. I'm a am I an older millennial? I don't know. Dude, I can millennial. never like so. Millennial is older than Gen Z, right? Yes, I'm. Okay. A, I know I'm a millennial, but I don't remember where I fall in the. Uh, I, don't I mean, I'm 35, so I don't like. I get. I guess I am a millennial, and then Gen Z is what? Like, what year would that be? We should probably I, look. I don't. I don't know where the cutoff is. Right. So, anyway, so I, I, I think there are definitely the younger millennials and people around my age too. There are plenty of people who are too concerned with, you know, how other people perceive them and being embarrassed. Like people are just not willing to put themselves out there in the yeah. same way. And some of that is just social media. Well crush you for that uh, yeah. and i get it from there but but look these guys you have to want to go out there and compete for competition's sake like, i i hate this idea that to want to do the dunk contest which is a really has it's a historical event that there are all yeah. these big moments throughout nba history like michael jordan versus dominique wilkins or vince carter in 2000 people forget everybody else who was in that contest who Guys had some good dunks in that dunk contest Mm -hmm. because Vince was such a star in that moment that he took over the event. Like people remember these moments for a long, long time. And you can be part of a a pretty cool part of NBA history. And these guys just don't care. And look, look, that's their prerogative. If they want to do other things, whatever. I just think it's a shame that we have to be like, well, what if we gave them $10 million instead (laughs) of a hundred thousand or whatever it is. It's like, Come on, man. We can't just want to. They got. They, we can't just get them out there because it'd be cool to see John Morant go up against Anthony Edwards in the dunk contest. Or we can't get LeBron to do this, despite the fact that you know Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and all these other all-time great players 
have competed in the dunk contest because, you know, he doesn't want to look bad. I don't know. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. I, I mean, first of all, I think the league should probably just make them do it. Is probably the solution to this. But if they're not going to try, maybe that's pointless. Here would be a, a suggestion I've thought of to fix the dunk contest. Tell me if you think how it can be tweaked, if it's trash, if it's good. All right, here's what I would do. I think one way, you, there's two ways you could do it. One, either the team picks somebody that's from the city. So Philadelphia would pick like somebody that's a great dunker from the city. Not on the team. Doesn't Mac McClung. Yeah, yeah, essentially Mac McClung. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but, so, but they, they have to be from Philly would be like the caveat. And then th that person represents the city on this, like they put on a Sixers uniform again, kind of like Mac McClung, but they put like, so each team is represented by somebody from the city. So that person's sole focus is just to be a great dunker. So there's a little bit of city pride there. The other way could be you have different regions represented and you convince players to represent from their hometown. Like Maryland is a place that has a lot of like great basketball players from it. There would be a Maryland team and you would convince somebody to like, represent there i don't know where john morant is from but wherever he would be from he could represent that place i think that would be one way to get like some pride behind it and at least get some people to care about the results no 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 not no. a fan just the hands the head the head shake no fair enough unless I you I put you need perfect. to put okay. star players there has to be star players in dunk contest but they're not going to do it so like i i think that at this point you have to think of a different twist as opposed to because if they're not going to do it then it's better than watching no offense like mac mcglung like it's just better like i'd rather have it be like someone that's super excited to be there and like represent something as opposed to like the 16th guy on the bench or whatever listen you got to get stars to do it and right. I, I put some of this on Adam Silver, too. David Stern would have walked in that room with the players at some of these meetings and been like, I'm not watching fucking Mac McClung. It's a good point. Contest. That is a good point. He would, he would have made it clear that they need to take this seriously. I mean, there, I didn't even get to other guys. Like Jason Richardson had a couple yeah. of amazing dunk contests in the early 2000s. Like there are a lot of guys that have had Dwight Howard the whole Superman thing. Like he was a big star at the time, still did it. And I know it's not as exciting watching big men dunk compared to, you know, guards well, and I wings. Do think when, when I think about Dwight Howard's dunk, I think in some ways like him and Blake Griffin ruined it because they took so many props into it that it got kind of corny. Like, I think it'd be fun if they went back to being like no props, like just you, the basket and the ball. Like when you're fake jumping over cars at a certain point, what else is there to be done? You know, I, I think that that ruined it a little bit. I think that's fair. I just, again, 
if you don't put big names in it, I'm not going to care about it. I don't care if a guy does a 720. Right. People are not. The NBA is out here saying, oh, we broke a bunch of streaming records for the game or the dunk. I saw contest that. Yeah, that. A certain amount of. Uh, yeah. It's like, you know, man, I feel like we're <laughs> juicing the numbers here a little bit. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that was, that was not a prideful moment for the NBA. Um, all right. So I feel like we've talked about the All-Star game enough, probably more than than, than it's far deserves. too much, honestly. Yes. Okay. So now we can get back into the team. Um, I I personally think one of the biggest things that's happened over the last few days was there was a report from a Houston Rockets in or not a report, let me take that back. An opinion from a Houston Rockets insider that there's a 70% chance James Harden will be on the Rockets next Do year. Do we know who this is? Because I when you brought this up, I haven't actually seen Yeah, it. I have I have the tweet right here. Um, let me pull it up. Now, now we'll do the whole Twitter thing where we can decide how legit he is based off looking at his profile. I mean, he's verified. He covers the NBA for The Athletic, and he has 28,000 followers. His name is Kelly, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I It's I-K-O. I apologize. Kelly I Iko. I know. Yeah, I know so Kelly. he's definitely legit. Um, and he, I think he has since couched it a little bit by saying that it was like in his opinion, right? But – I do think there is starting to be more and more smoke to the fire of James going back to Houston. And we talked about this on recent, on a recent podcast. Um, you know, I think it was Christmas day about how realistic that was, but I think something that's changed in this conversation is you gotta James send Valdez. me this tweet. Cause I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm trying to find this first of all. All right. I'm going to text it to you right now. This is okay. great live podcasting. Okay. Of course. Um, yeah. And I can even maybe play it like on the, the audio here. Um, basically, he says, uh, says Rockets Insider said he thinks there's a 70% chance Harden will be on the Rockets opening day roster next season. And then he said, where there's smoke, there's fire. And he goes on to say something like he likes the ro- he likes the players on the roster, which, as people know, I don't blame him for that one. And then um, he talks about like his business in Houston and, and all those things. So to me, this feels legit. I, I think like if the Sixers don't win it this year, I think Harden getting overpaid by the Rockets to come home with that young talent feels like a very realistic possibility. Dude, if James Harden wants to go down as the biggest loser in oh, NBA history, being- no, I'm I'm dead serious. Like we could talk about if he wants to leave in free agency, it's well within his right to see what's out there. I don't think there are a lot of teams that are well positioned to get the mm-hmm. max money or that are any good. So that that's sort of the thing. If they lose in the second round and he joins what right now is the worst team in basketball. Right. That's unbelievable. Like would genuinely be one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen a star. Do. Well, I don't know. For, Go ahead. They are 13 and 45, <laughs> 13 yeah. and 45. They suck. They're terrible. Like you can say whatever you want about you like this guy. Like Jalen Green is fun and whatever. I don't think he's all that. I think he's a six man long term. Wow, the guy right. they just took in the top three sucks. Has not done anything this year. He's gonna go out there playing with fucking Shengun. Like that's <laughs> that's who he's going to war with. Like they <laughs> traded Eric Gordon, who was his like guy there that he would allegedly want to play with. I don't, listen. If James Harden can't get out of the second round with Joel Embiid, and then he says, you know what I'm going to do for the end of my career after having not won anything, I'm going to play for Houston. He's going to get absolutely destroyed, and he's going to do it. Now, here's what I would say. 
I don't think he's going to do that. I do think James cares about winning. I don't, I don't think he left Brooklyn, for example, because he didn't want to win. He specifically went to Brooklyn because he thought that was his best chance to contend. And then he left Brooklyn because Kyrie Irving was bullshitting around and was not being serious about being a, you know, a, a title level player. So James said, I'm out, I'm going somewhere where I think they're going to take it more seriously than he is. Like, I think that's very clear with how things have played out. So I can't see, I mean, look, if they win the title, then I think you could say, all right, maybe James goes back to Houston. And this is just, you know, all the stuff with the ties he has there, the home he keeps there, all his, you know, off the court stuff. Right. I can see that. Selling the idea of James going back to Houston after losing and basically just saying he's okay with being a career loser, that that's just not how I think he's wired. And I don't think like, I don't want to say it's unacceptable because that's like, again, it's this guy's choice. But to me, like as some, this would be the worst possible version of like nobody wants to compete anymore. He instead I, I of trying to instead of saying I'm going to try and fail and maybe fail somewhere, he's just signing up for failure right away. Like give me the bag, and I'm riding off into the sunset, having never won shit. Like that's I, that'd be really disappointing. There is some truth to what you're saying. I think you're overlooking the fact a little bit about him going back to the team he spent the majority of his career with. Like. One thing, again, this a lot of this episode has been talking about what fans do and don't care about. But one thing fans also talk about is they hate that people change teams so often. And they're like, so I think there's something fun about him going back to his home team, number one. Number two, let's say the Sixers do get bounced in the second round or God forbid the first round, right? Like at that point, do you even want to run it back with this same team? So I think he's at, then you're looking for where else can he go? And to your point, there's not a lot of teams that can max him out. Like, I don't think he should take less money at this point of his career. He, I think has played his way into a max contract. So if I'm James Harden, I'm looking here and going, okay, I know, look, and I like the Rockets more than you do. So maybe this is part of it, but you also know more they're about the 13 Rockets. and 45. Again, they're not good. But, but, but like if you, but, but if you add James Harden around those guys, I think they could potentially be whatever. He's not going to win a title there. That's ultimately all that matters. I agree. He will not go back to Houston and win a title, but like, so there's two perspectives of this. One is how realistic is it? The other one is what's it mean for the Sixers? My my personal opinion is I think there's a real chance that if the Sixers get bounced in the second round and they want to bring James back, that he would pick Houston over the Sixers. I never thought that that would happen. I always thought as long as the Sixers were willing to pay James, he would stay there. But if the Houston Rockets are really going to be sitting there willing to offer him big money and the playoffs don't go well, I think there's a real chance the Sixers could be saying, come back, and he could say no. Is, is really my main takeaway from this. I think it's an appealing enough situation for him personally. I disagree with make him a loser. I like it. His career is what it is. He's oh, in his- It would 100% make well, him a loser. What year is he in? He's not, he's not like in his third year. He's tried for 15, 16 years or whatever. So what, you just year. give up? You might as well retire it, then. Who cares? Well, but, but like I'm saying, you're acting like it'll be his career defining thing. He's already a top whatever player of all time. He's come close to winning the title. He went to Brooklyn to try to win. He went to Philly to try to win. At a certain point, I don't blame him for just going where he is comfortable. Like he, again, I'm not saying retire, but he is kind of in that stage of his career a little bit. Right. So, but this is, this is my question for you. Do you think the Sixers should be legitimately worried about him going to Houston? Cause that's what it comes down to. What the, the, the concern is if the Sixers want him and he, and he picks another team, that's bad. For, like, obviously that's not a great outcome for the Sixers. How concerned do you think they should be? I, th- I mean, I think there should be some concern. And I, the one thing I would say, 
is that it all changes if he somehow convinces somebody else to go there with him, right? Like if yeah. it's if the the Rockets say we'll give two different guys big money and they trade a bunch of these young guys and you know the bounty of picks they have from the Brooklyn Nets and what have you. That's maybe more interesting. And maybe you could find a path to, you know, him going there and it's not a complete loser move. I but I just I don't know how you sell that to even yourself. Like if James Harden, who said he cares about winning and competing for titles and all that, goes to play with Jalen Green and Jabari and like all these dudes, like if they get bounced in the second round here, is he really competing? This is a little team that'll have never been to the conference finals. Like, let's not like let's be real about it. If the Sixers get bounced again, are they really a true competitor? Elliot, we're talking about maybe a 40 win difference between the two teams. <laughs> I don't think like, that. you're also talking about one round not, of the playoffs. This is not it's not like a small jump. It's not the difference between James playing for the Sixers and like the Miami Heat or something like that. If if we were talking about a situation like that where he's going to a different city for another playoff caliber team where he's just saying I don't whether it's I don't want to play with Joel, I don't want to play in Philly, I would rather live in LA, Miami, right. New York, like whatever it is. If you can at least sell it as a competitor, fine. Like I, we can have debates over whether it's the smart thing to do on his part whether he should have taken the money here, blah, blah, blah. But if he can compete somewhere or believes he can compete somewhere, fine. Like, I think a lot of people made fun of Jimmy Butler when he signed with Miami. They're like, well, he's going to retire down yeah. in Florida like yep. everybody else. And then they've had more playoff success than the Sixers had by a lot. Yeah. But Miami is not Houston. There are definitely levels to this. And so – Unless there is a corresponding move from the Rockets and really several corresponding moves that they're they're lining all this stuff up. And I've heard nothing to suggest that's what's happening. It's always, well, James likes the young talent there. It's like, <laughs> all right, man, honestly, and I mean this sincerely, if you and your heart would rather go fucking lose a, a hundred games over the next two years man. rather than trying to go win a title, goodbye. I would not want you on the team. Like the, the one thing you could say about Jimmy, Jimmy did what he did because he had convictions about where he could win and the people that were around him. And he ended up being right with how things played out with Ben and everybody else in Philadelphia. James has not <laughs> earned the level of trust to say his judgment is going to be correct here, that he's going to be able to go win. Like I, I think you like if he doesn't want to play here and he'd rather play in Houston specifically or a team like that specifically, goodbye. Arrivederci. <laughs> but but here's where I'll push back on that. Like, look, we are both right now high on the Sixers, more than most people, right? You've preached it. I've said they're better. So this is not a negative on the Sixers talk. No. But let's let's also put ourselves in in how we'll be feeling on the pod we do after they get eliminated in the second round, if that happens, right? If they lose in the second round, how will we feel? We'll be sitting here and going, well, this was a complete disaster. This team obviously wasn't good enough. They have no future draft picks. They are, are maxed out on cap space. They're probably going to fire the head coach. Who knows if Joel is going to want to be here? So while I agree that, yes, the Sixers are more competing for a title than the Rockets are, obviously, 
I do think if you're James, there is something to be going somewhere where it's a fresh start. And like, it's the Sixers are going to be a disaster if they lose in the second round. Like we're going to be talking about if Joel's going to ask out. Right. So I, I get your point about picking to lose, but let's not paint the Sixers as some perennial contender. That's like, they've never been out the second round. And if they do it again, they could be in one of the worst situations in the league by some perspective in terms of like, their future and how it looks. So I think if you're James, you, you can't sell the Rockets as being better in 2023, but I think you could sell them as being better in maybe a, a season from now if they can bring in another Max guy, trade those picks for people and be around young talent. I guess, man. I, look, <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't put it past them. It could happen. And again, if we start to hear things along the lines of, well, maybe this guy is interested in playing with James Harden and, you know, agent driven smoke, yeah. because the one thing I think is noteworthy is that James did hire an agent when he's been essentially operating without one recently. So that is something to keep an eye on. That's someone who is going to be, you know, putting in the phone calls. Oh, and, yeah. That's and why having all kinds of meetings and, and what have you. So that part, I think, is intriguing. And I'm not discounting the idea that he could leave. What I'm saying is he leaves for that specific situation, there, he will not be able to look a lot of people in the eye again. I don't think. I mean, maybe he can. Maybe he can because he just doesn't care and he wants to, you know, live his life and go where he's comfortable. As you're saying, like, I get all that. He would make a ton of money as like the guy in Houston, and maybe it's better to be a, a big fish in a small pond in his mind. But mm -hmm. I look again, circling back to what we were saying about all-star stuff at what point is competing just why you're doing this and like that the objective is to win you play sports to win it's not to do anything else like i get it's a career it's a job for these guys and they have to make decisions for their families and what have you james harden's going to make generational money no matter where he's playing next yes. year he already has an amount of money that if he played on a minimum deal next year he would have his family set up for generations. So you can't sit here and and sell me on the idea of like, oh man, I, what an intriguing possibility for James to go to Houston. Like I've watched that team in person. I've watched them on TV. I see what all the numbers say. I see what people who watch them every day say about the team. Mm -hmm. There is no sales pitch that uh, that is anything other than James is fine with being a loser. Like that, that would be the only way. And again, I want to reiterate, I don't think that he is. Like I do, I believe that James wants to compete for titles. I could see James in, you know, a few years, give it a few more shots. He's in his late thirties and, you know, he's given everything he has. I think given the level that he's at right now, it's really tough to justify basically just saying, yeah, I'm done. I'm, I'm that's all right. I'll just take my money and ride off in the sunset. Yeah. Well, at least we have the name of the pod if he signs there. It's that uh James is a loser. So we have that ready to go when uh when and if that happens. But um speaking of guys deciding different destinations, uh Kevin Love. We talked about this briefly on the last pod about the chances it could happen. Um and then the Sixers were reportedly interested. So I guess just kind of take me through what, if you know anything, like if you've heard anything, how realistic it was, was this just like with the Eagles, Howie Roseman calls every single free agent. So whenever there's an agent driven thing, like there's interest from X, Y, Z, the Eagles are always there because they check in on every single person. Right. 
How real do you think the interest was in Kevin Love? Do you think they really would have signed him if he would have picked here? And just what are your thoughts on uh, that whole thing? Oh, they definitely would have signed him if they could have sold him on the the opportunity. I think the problem is that there's a genuine chance he might start for Miami. So Mm -hmm. one, they were not going to be able to offer him a similar role. Two, I don't know if Miami actually gave him more money, but they had more money available to sign him with. I believe they had a portion of their mid-level exception they could use to sign him. So, you know, that's a whole nother angle. There's also the living in South Beach versus South Philadelphia thing, which is, again, as somebody who lives in South Philadelphia and has been to South Beach several times for work, I I hate to say it, but not really comparable, (laughs) especially if you're someone who's making Kevin Love money. Um, and again, I also no taxes think, in Florida. Like he kept a large portion of his money by going there. Yeah. <clears throat> the other thing for me is that I, and I think I brought this up end of last week, you and I talked about it. I don't really see what the fit is for him here either. I think they would have done it anyway, just because he's a, a playoff caliber player, a veteran mm-hmm. with all kinds of finals experience and all that. But he's not better than George Niang right now. And so then it becomes, you know, how do you get him into the playoff rotation? And it's really, if George Niang is hurt, he plays. Mm -hmm. Or if George Niang's not making shots, he plays. And maybe that's more valuable to you than Dwayne Dedman. Like if you want to make the case that Dedman is not useful and that they just cut him after signing him and bring in love, I could sort of see that argument, but then you get left in a position where if Paul Reed or Trez or PJ Tucker are drawing dead against, you know, a big bodied center in the playoffs, I think specifically who you need to look at is Cleveland like that. It, they're not Cleveland, uh, Milwaukee, because mm-hmm. Brooke Lopez is you know a huge center. Right. It's going to be anchoring a lot of bench units, what have you. Cleveland is another example, although I think Paul Reed has done okay against them. And I think it's pretty unlikely the Sixers end up playing them in the playoffs. But you might need Deadman for that sort of matchup to, to play against Brooke Lopez and Giannis on, on bench units. Whereas like you could be in that same series and Kevin Love just might not get on the floor. Right. Uh, there were some people who were thinking, you know, maybe you play him at center. I do think Kevin Love is a much, much better rebounder than basically anybody on the bench unit, but mm-hmm. certainly than George Niang. If you wanted to try to go small and play love at center, I just think you would get destroyed on defense. I think you see it with – it's part of the reason that Trez has not been able to to play. He's a bad defender base level, but teams are getting penetration so easily against them that you're putting Trez in a position to fail anytime he's on the floor because he's just not out there with good enough defenders to, to justify you know playing the offense guy and dealing with all his limitations. So Kevin Love would be probably a more extreme version of that because he can't jump, can't protect the rim. At least Trez mm-hmm. can make like a an effort or energy block yeah, every athletic, once in a while. Somewhat. Yeah, I mean he's somewhat, still again, somewhat, but yeah, he's undersized and is you know he has all kinds of problems with awareness and being in mm-hmm. the right spot. But I I just think you're running into a similar version of of that problem on defense. Now, again, Kevin Love can shoot and rebound and you spread the floor out. You let James Harden, Tyrese Maxey go one-on-one against a defense that can't put a guy at the rim. 
I think there is some power to that, but I think you could probably get there without signing love and just playing somebody like PJ at the I five. I would say playing PJ at the five. So my question to the next one is, because we talked about it, you made it sound like when we, when we discussed it, that it might be difficult because of the money. And like, so my question is, how, if they were going to do it, how do you think they would have made the roster? Because they, they, they're they full, like they don't have a roster space, right? Like their their roster is completely booked up. So how would they have, like, who do you think would have been cut? Because Kevin Love, to your point, he, they clearly must have offered him some type of role. I don't think their role was come in here and be the 15th man. So what do you think their plan was had he picked them? Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't, I wish I knew. I'll probably have a better idea after I go to practice yeah. tomorrow and, you know, talk with some people about it. I do think it was going to probably come down to Dwayne Dedman or Paul Reed getting cut because <laughs> trying to every other, the reaction of Paul Reed getting cut. If Paul Reed got cut for Kevin Love, I don't think it would have gone over <laughs> well, put it that way. And then, then you're in a position where Dedman or Trez or Kevin Love at center is a thing every night. Like you don't yeah. have the, the defense first type option there. Um, I mean, if you could sell Trez on taking a buyout and waiving his player option for next year, I don't know why he would. Maybe you cut him and he just, you go to him and say, look, the writing's on the wall. You're not going to play here. Or maybe he wants to try to latch on somewhere else before the end of the year. Um, But yeah, it would have been interesting because again, George Niang, not only is he better right now, I don't think people realize this. He has shot better than Kevin Love every year the last five years. Wow. Like just straight up been a better shooter than Yang for, or than Love for half a decade. Now, again, not as good of a rebounder, doesn't have the playoff pedigree, all that. But Niang is a really important offensive piece off the bench for them that fits really well alongside both James and Joel. And I think people probably take him for granted. I think his free agency this summer is like a, a sneaky important storyline for the team moving forward to see one, if they can keep him, and two, how much they end up having to, to pay him to keep him here. Cause he's a 40 plus percent shooter every single year, like just yeah. a, a really, really good shooter. And you and I both know that commands a lot of money in today's NBA. So I guess they would have tried to play small, because I don't, I don't think you're taking Niang out of the rotation. It would have been, it might have been a situation where you say, Kevin, you might be a DNP some nights and might be a situational guy. And I think that's a big reason why he took his talents to South Beach. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. Now, I would have done it. I hear your concerns. And I think he is a duplicate of Niang in some ways. And I think you're right. Maybe a, a lesser version. 
But I just rather have as many shooters on the team as I can, just because. Which is fair. I get it. Someone goes cold or someone gets hurt. Like, so I would have done it. But I guess the last question I have for you uh, before we kind of wrap this up, and it's a vague question, but more team related, just on a larger scale. I'm curious, entering the second half of the season, like when you're just doing whatever, doing your laundry, like, what do you think about with the Sixers? Like, what's like one of your biggest questions? Maybe this is something we can tease for next pod. But I'm just curious. Like, I know with me, I think a lot about the Eagles all the time. And I think about the Sixers too. But I always, like, but what are you thinking about when you think about the Sixers right now? Like, what's your biggest concern? Like, just what's interesting to you about the team? Are they going to defend when it matters? It's basically, because look, if you have James Harden at this level and Joel Embiid at this level, you're going to score. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have no, I mean, I have concerns in the sense that Joel will probably draw fewer fouls and James has been a little reliant on outside shooting, things like that. Like there are some offensive questions to answer, but by and large, when James has been in the lineup and they've been healthy, they've been a great offensive team. Period. Yeah. I think there are a lot bigger concerns about their play to play consistency. Are they a team that has the, you know, the the connectiveness that you need to be an awesome defense in the playoffs? Is somebody like James Harden going to be dialed in the way he needs to? Will Tyrese Maxey get exploited for being too small and you know all the defensive issues that he has? When you play somebody like George Niang, how is he holding up? Is he going to get hunted and you know played off the floor? There are a lot of different concerns. And and then the rebounding problem, even when they play good defense, a lot of times the rebounding is just not good enough. And I, I've brought this up before, but I don't think all of this is just a, we flipped the switch and we're good at all of this now. Like there are fundamental problems with some of these guys. Like I don't think for, I think Joel is a good rebounder. I don't think he's as good as he needs to be. I think mm-hmm. Tobias is a straight up bad rebounder is a big culprit on a lot of these plays. And he's going to be in basically every crunch time lineup is going to be one of their heavy minute guys. I There are a lot of problems on the defensive end that they have to sort out. I do think the encouraging thing is that when they have been super engaged, like the first half of that Cleveland game before the break, they played awesome on both ends of the floor and they beat up a Cleveland team that is, well, for a half anyway, which is yeah. kind of the problem with them. But they beat up a Cleveland team that's been very good that I think is going to scare at least somebody in the playoffs. I think if they end up playing, you know, Miami and then maybe Boston in round two, I, I think Cleveland could absolutely make life difficult for a team like the Celtics. But all that being said, I just don't know that the Sixers can play 48 minutes of defense. That they, mm-hmm. they have not shown that they can do 48 minutes of basically anything. So that is sort of the overarching question. And then you you tie it into what is Doc going to do in the playoffs? I think that's another big thing because you know, I get all the concerns with Joel and James. There is a level of, you know, maybe over-focus on where they've gotten eliminated. I think even in some series where James lost and people have given him crap for it, he's had great numbers or like yeah. – the Toronto series that was the best team the Sixers have had, their best chance to win a title. That comes down to a, a freak bounce or a series of bounces at the end of yeah. a game seven against they lost a, a guy. The champion. Yeah, they lost yeah. to the champions of the league. 
all that. And Joel's plus minus was absolutely absurd. When Joel's been healthy, he's been an impactful playoff mm-hmm. level guy. Doc has had Doc is the only one of those guys that's got a title. He's had a lot of deep playoff runs, but he has had so much talent underneath him. And to have all these playoff failures that he's had, I understand the mistrust there. And so I want to see, like, I do think he's been more proactive with rotations. He's been you know, more aggressive with end of quarter substitutions and, and little things that, you know, maybe in the past in the regular season, he's on autopilot and he's not thinking about it. If he thinks he's coaching for his job this year, maybe that's part of it. I don't think he's under that level of pressure right now. He certainly will be in the playoffs. Yeah. But I want to see that translate to the games that matter, right? There's a there's an idea that somebody like Trez is out of the rotation, not because he necessarily wants him to be, but because he feels like it's his obligation at this point to play Paul Reed. I want to see Doc make the right decisions when it counts the same way I want to see Joel rise to the occasion and hit big shots when it counts. Like again, circling back to what we started the pod with. I know that yeah. I care about the regular season. I care about all these games, but people determine your legacy based on what happens in the playoffs. Like that, that's what matters to people. I'd said it, I tweeted this yesterday. Will Chamberlain scored 17,000 more points than Bill Russell and only played 82 more games than him. And people treat them as either comparable or in many cases, people say Russell was the greater player because his teams won like that team sports are about winning. It's not like this isn't tennis. It's not, you know, you won X amount of singles titles and whatever. Like it's all about your personal accomplishments. It's about what you can do as a team when it matters. So as much as we can say, you know, Joel is an MVP caliber guy. James is a top 75 all time guy. Doc has thousand, whatever wins, whatever it is. If they can't get it done in the playoffs, everything else will not well, matter and that's that's just how it goes yeah and i think like to piggyback off that one thing i think a lot about with this team in my free time i'm just thinking about the sixers is like do they have it in them to be great when it matters like when you talk about the defense i, I think the, the cleveland game is so perfect because we saw how good they can be for me the sixers thing is not a lack of talent like you can argue boston and milwaukee maybe i agree have more, like maybe boston and milwaukee have more talent but as much as i love to like you know, debate Tatum versus Embiid. I mean, they're basically the same player. Giannis Embiid, same player. Like they're they're that level of greatness, right? The Sixers have greatness on their roster. It's just a matter of whether or not in the big moments, will they do it? And I think that's one of the most frustrating things about this team is I don't look at them and go, well, they don't have like this key piece that you need to win. They have mostly all the pieces you need to win. You can debate. They would probably be a little more athletic ideally, but ultimately they have great defensive players. Like, and Embiid pretty much, but they have a great defensive player. They have great offensive players. They have a coach that's won a title, all those things. I think what you started with is so perfect and your way of going about it is defense, but it's the same thing where it's like in the big moments, are they really going to rise to the occasion or am I going to watch this team shrink again? And I think that's the biggest question I think about. Like it, yes, on defense, will they try, but it's really just the question of, is this team going to fold when it matters? And I think we'll start to get the answer to that in the schedule that they have coming up. And it sucks to have to wait so long to know. But yeah, I think that's my biggest just like random running thought about this team is are they gonna are they gonna step up? And I just it's frustrating not to know the answer to that. I mean, look, man, I think people 
doubt mental toughness at their own peril. I, I think, yeah. look at the Sixers' recent history of draft picks, for example. Ben Simmons, all the talent in the world. Guy had the the basketball world in the palm of his hand. If he puts in you know, more work, if he's more resilient a, as a player, as a person, we could be talking about him as an MVP caliber guy. Those, mm-hmm. those are the expectations he came into the league and made – Multiple all-star teams, made an all-NBA team, made all-defense teams. Guy looks like a complete shell of himself because he mentally is not equipped to be that type of guy. Like, has turned right. into a, a very different player. Markel Fultz, unbelievable college player and you know, dealt with some real mental shortcomings. in the Or not, I shouldn't say mental shortcomings. With mental health issues, frankly, on the floor where he turned into a totally different player. He's dealing with... Mm-hmm physical injuries as well but like look resilience is a thing that you only know it when you see it i think one thing you could say is that tyrese maxi is somebody that i'm confident in as a, a, a mentally it. tough yeah player but like the mental side of the game is so 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 important and i i think it gets discounted in prospects it's it's often the difference between there are guys who are comparable in talent in a, a different draft class. And one guy is just a harder worker who cares more, who dedicates himself more. And that's the difference. It's not that he has more inherent talent than the other guy, but he stretches his talent out further. So things when the talent is the talent gap is much smaller in the playoffs. And so you need your leaders, especially. And in this case, that's Joel Embiid and James Harden to be able to carry you through those tough stretches when George Niang goes 0 for 6 during right, the Right, or the backup when, center plays poorly. Like, it shouldn't when, come... When Paul down. Reed's bad... Like, and that's the thing. I'm glad you brought up backup center. Everybody in this town... I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of fans of the Sixers are obsessed with this idea of the backup center, and they, they get played off the court when Joel's off the floor. Well, yeah, they're not going to be as good when your max player is a center and you're bringing yeah. in... Paul Reed and Wash Montrez Harrell or Greg Monroe or whoever whoever it is, the job is on the Jimmy Butlers, the Ben Simmons, and now the James Harden to take that guy and win minutes with them. And, and maybe mm-hmm. it's not winning minutes with them. It's at least playing them to a standstill and you're buying time for your best player to come back. And on the other side of that, it's also up to Joel in the minutes where he's up against the backup center to win those minutes by By even more than he is. Like that was a a big reason that I think he lost MVP last season, that game against Denver. I brought it up on the podcast, I think a few weeks ago. Yeah. He beat Jokic straight up, was better than Jokic when they were on the floor together. Bones Highland and DeMarcus Cousins swung that game last year down the stretch. Denver wins. And that's a decisive blow in the MVP race. And that's partially because Joel was physically and mentally not locked in when the other star player is off the floor. And so, so much of this just comes down to, are you engaged and in the game for the entire 48 minutes? Because the best of the best teams, the teams like Boston, the teams like Milwaukee, they have proven that they can do that in the playoffs. They, I mean, Boston last year on the way to the finals made Kevin Durant look like a college player for most of their first <laughs> round series. So they have to prove it. There's a lot to prove. I'm excited to see this end of the season stretch and then the start of the playoffs. But 
everything's there to play for and we're going to see what they're made of. Yeah. And I, I agree with all that. Um, the other funny thing is I forgot my laptop's not plugged in and it's literally at 5%. So it is. Oh man. I know, but it's all right. Cause we got everything in we wanted to anyway, but uh, no, I thought it, I can't wait for the pod later in the week. Cause I do want to preview the schedule, talk about what to expect and what it's going to be. But so we're going to have to wrap this up. Actually, I had a, la- a last of us take for you, but I'll save that for the uh, for the next pod as well. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. As I said at the top, if you could leave a five-star review, uh, it, it really helps the pod grow, especially during what's going to be a big stretch for this upcoming uh, part of the Sixers season. I mean, this is, you know, we talked about how games matter, don't matter, whatever. They really, really matter now. Like, there's no more debating if they matter. This stretch matters, and then we'll basically be in the playoffs. So we will talk to you guys uh, next time. Kyle? talk to you uh, next time and hopefully i'll charge my laptop that time. I was gonna say, charge that laptop buddy <laughs> i will all right talk to you guys later